we've been in this series called The Invitation. And so, we're, you know, we're, we're celebrating the traditional Advent. And we are, and so we're going through kind of the, 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 the initial four stages of Advent of hope, uh, peace, joy, and love. And so this week we're, we're, we're talking about joy and, and kind of what that looks for us. But for this whole series, it's called Invitations because because this is a tra- you know this is a traditional season we 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 do traditional things, um, but God is always moving. He's always doing something. He's always saying something, and He's always inviting us into something. And so what you know my my concern at times when we kind of do traditional practices that we kind of just like check out and kind of go through the motions of the traditional practices, right? And I'm I'm all for tradition, but I, I wanted to encourage us and remind us that. Even in our traditions, God is saying something today and right now in this moment for us, and he has something for each of us. And, and, and I want to encourage us to walk into that and, and to be listening and to be tuned in to, to, to what God is saying here and now for us and in this season of Advent. So we're going to start um, in Luke. So let's look at Luke 1, 39 to 45. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. So what's happening here? Now, many of us know the story, but Mary is now with child and with God's child, right? So we have this supernatural event, and she goes to her cousin's house um, uh, not too long after this takes place, and so we have this, we have this amazing encounter. Like, it, it, it was, it's normal, right, for, for a baby to be kicking, right, in, in, the, in the womb, right? Like, we know that's a normal thing. It was also normal then, right? And so she, she's like, she heard Mary's greeting, and and, and this, this, this miraculous child, this, this, this son, John the Baptist, like jumped in the womb, just full of joy, just jumped in the womb. And so what's funny is, is I, I look at this, though, and, and I spent a lot of time studying this this past week. Like Elizabeth's response, as we read it, it's like we can kind of read it a little bit more, like a little more factual, right? You know, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God, you know, all those things kind of sentence by sentence. But as you read it, like, she exclaimed. There was like this exuberance, this joy. She cried out. It's like she sang out, kind of like busting a song like Mary Poppins, right? She's like, oh my gosh, God has blessed you above all women. Your child is blessed. Why am I? You know, it's just like, it's kind of like when Nikki gets excited. And I don't know if you've ever seen Nikki get excited. But when Nikki gets excited, it's just like, it goes, and just there's so much excitement, and you're like, oh my gosh, and, and it's just, that's the kind of joy that was happening right here. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she just, she couldn't help but just cry out with just this utter joy, 
Have you ever had that kind of joy? I know I've had that kind of joy, but the thing is, I'm more of like an inward feeler, <laughs> and so you're not going to see me um, like cry out like that. Um, very few things can do that. Now, the right song can do that, right? So I was going to play some Frankie Beverly and Maze, Joy and Pain, but you know, I didn't think y'all was ready for that, so I'm not going to play it right now. But like, you know, you put on some Frankie Beverly and Maze, and my family, that's like our family song. It's, it's going down, Troy. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. That's what I'm saying, you know. And so, you know, sometimes the right song can kind of get me into that, into that place of joy, right? But so, you ever had something that made you feel like that, though, where you're just like, just this utter joy where you couldn't help but just cry out? You know, joy is a state. It's, 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 a, it's a place of being, not just an emotion. Right, so sometimes we equate it as an emotion, but it's, but it's far more than that. It is, a, it is a state of being where you're just like, I'm good. Everything is good. God is good. And we're just joyful. And so just like those things that can kind of create that exuberance in us, sometimes they go away. And so, too, does that joy often go away from us. But Jesus was hoping for something else when he came. He was hoping for a joy that that, that we see in Elizabeth. He was hoping for a joy that would remain. Let's look at John 15. And the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. I know I want that right there. And, and I think everyone else here does too. Now, we can't experience the total fullness of that joy until the very end, but we can experience much more than we do now. It's, it's, this, it's this ongoing fullness of the kingdom of God present in us that helps us experience that joy in its fullness. You know, as, as, as I look at this story, I think about Elizabeth and Mary's response to the coming Messiah, to the coming Savior of their people, to the coming Redeemer. I mean, Elizabeth cried out. Right after this, Mary just bust out into song. She says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And the song goes on, but she just, after this whole encounter, she just starts singing, how my soul praises God. Like, think about that, like to say that my soul, everything in me 
praises God. Have you ever felt that like that? And like not just saying it because people were singing it, but just like felt that in you. She wasn't singing here because they were at worship at temple that day, right? There was something in her that just called this out and just my soul rejoices in God. So we're in this season of celebration of, of Advent, right? And what does Advent mean? It means the coming, the coming of the Messiah. Now, the Messiah has come. The Messiah is here. And so it's also, and should be a season of reflection, have we experienced the joy in our lives that Christ brings? Because his desire above all else, and we sometimes we kind of miss this with God, is that his desire above all else is for, for us to experience that love that he has for us, for us to experience that joy. He says, I want you to have the same joy that I have, and I want you to have it in its fullness. And so as we, as we reflect on this season and we look back at our last year, can we say, have I experienced that same joy? And I can honestly say that I haven't. And now that's an area that I like, I need more joy. And so I hope that we can all move towards that. And so let's, let's look at a couple things as to, as to how. So one of the, uh, the key things, one of the interesting things in this scripture uh, is at the end, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Now, this, this, this phrase right here is almost kind of a, a parallel to what happened to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, um, Mary's cousin, because right before Elizabeth became pregnant, Zechariah had an encounter with an angel of God, with a messenger of God. And so Zechariah is a, is a really good person. He's, he's a priest, and uh, his family is older. So he and Elizabeth are older, and they, and, they, and they didn't have any kids. And so God came to Zechariah and said, hey, guess what? Your wife's going to be pregnant. You're going to have a child. And Zechariah was like, uh, what? We are way too old for that to happen. We're way past our prime. I, I, I've wanted this, but I don't see how this is possible. And so he didn't believe what God had told him. He didn't believe that promise. And so God was like, okay, well, you're going to be quiet for a little while. <laughs> and after your baby is born, you're going to be able to speak again. Um, sometimes God is just like really funny, <laughs> like an angel of the Lord like comes to you and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't believe you. Um, and so after the birth of his son, he, 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 he was able to speak again. And he actually, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. It wasn't like, sometimes you read scripture and we're like, oh, punish, like, it's not like a punishment. It's like God was restoring Zechariah as he does for all of us. But it is interesting that like Zechariah didn't believe him and Elizabeth's pointing out, Mary, you did believe him, and you're blessed because of it. And so the question I have for you that I had to come to face-to-face with is, what have you stopped believing for? And that's something we, 
we need to think about. What have you given up on? What is God asking you to believe in again? Is there anything there? You know, a lot of our Advent scriptures and messages come out of this prophetic promise in Isaiah, right? A child is born, the savior of our people. But a lot of times we don't realize is that in the Old Testament, the prophets had two fulfillments. Now, they often didn't know that. But for Isaiah, where it said a child is born, the redeemer of the people, a child actually was born before Jesus within Isaiah's lifetime. And that child was a redeemer of Israel in that time. That promise that happens in Isaiah was fulfilled hundreds of years earlier before Jesus came. But the fullness of that fulfillment came in Jesus. You with me so far? So like the rule is, when it comes to Old Testament prophets, you're, you're proven to be a prophet when your prophecy comes true within two years. Okay? So that means that prophecy came true. But it was, and so that was part of the promise that God made, but it wasn't the full promise. And so it makes me wonder, and it's something that I've, I've had to walk through, and I want to walk us all through. Sometimes God has fulfilled things that he has promised us, but we often don't see it. We often don't recognize it because it doesn't come in the way that we thought. It definitely didn't. It wasn't for Israel when Jesus came. Their savior, their king, and their redeemer was not the way they thought he was going to be. And so has God perhaps fulfilled something that we just haven't been able to see? I have a friend, um, and she, she wanted to have children for a long time, but was unable to. And but she felt like God promised this to her. And as she was, she was struggling through this and, and wrestling through this with God, God showed her one day and just kind of brought her back to many events in her lives and all the children she worked with and helped through her life and through her work and the children that he was going to continue to bring in her life. And he was just like, these are your children. These are the children that I brought to you. Here is my promise to you. And so care for them as if they are. And she did. And it brought her that joy she was looking for. Sometimes God brings things to us and we just have to have open eyes to see them. We have to be okay with it not being with what we thought because often it can be better. So what has God fulfilled? This isn't necessarily about gratefulness, but about joy. And so it's like going back and like, what's missing in us that hasn't generated that joy that we're seeking? So, remember that song? 
Oh, how my soul, praise the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So this is actually an interesting song that Mary is singing. And so remember, this is like right after the whole interaction with Mary and Elizabeth. This song is the same song that Hannah sung back in the Old Testament. So if you don't know who Hannah is, I'm going to give you a quick quick primer. And uh, Hannah was a, a faithful, faithful woman of God, and she was unable to have children. And she was taunted and provoked because of it. She was anguished because her desire was so strong. She, I mean, it was a strong want of hers. And it, it wasn't happening. And so she was anguished. And so she goes to the, to, the, uh, to the tabernacle, and in despair, just to, to worship, so she offers, she brings an offering to God, and she prays, and uh, she's approached by the priest, Eli. And uh, so Eli prays with her and, and, and for her. And then uh, in 1 Samuel 18, it says, and she said, let your servants find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Nothing changed in her situation yet. But she had an encounter with God, and she went from sorrow to joy. I think that's one thing that leads us to joy, is seeking for it outside of our circumstances. Is seeking for it in the midst of God's presence. So the story isn't over yet. She, she finally does have a child. And she is just overjoyed. I mean, she just, she is on a high and so happy. But this is the thing. She made a promise to God while she was praying in her anguish and in her despair. She said, God, If you give me a child, I will dedicate him to you for his whole life. And as soon as he is weaned, he is yours. Now, that sounds innocent enough for like today, right? (laughs) Like in our lives, say, oh, I'm going to dedicate my child for his whole life. But we need to understand what that means in in Israel, in, in a Hebrew context. Because after... This child was weaned after, when he became two or three years old. We don't know exactly, but about two or three years old, she dedicates him to service for God, which means she brings him to the temple and she leaves him with the priest, Eli, who then raises him for service to God. Which means she is no longer to raise her child. It was a sacrifice she was willing to make. And she gave up her child and sacrificed it in service to God. And so his child's name was was Samuel. And so after, not before, after she leaves Samuel with Eli at the age of, let's say, three, she sings the song we see Mary sing a thousand years later. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. I rejoice 
because you rescued me. Her heart was full of joy. Now, that makes sense because her heart was full of joy because she was able to conceive, right? But how does it make sense that her heart is full of joy when she's leaving this place without her child? Because that joy runs deep. That joy is from God. She made a sacrifice, and in that sacrifice found a deep and great joy. And that's what we learn about the joy that God has for us, is that through sacrifice we can attain it. And you can imagine the joy that she would have knowing who her son would come to be. Her son, Samuel, was the one who anointed David, which began the kingdom that we we know it as now. And so while she was overjoyed for the birth of her son, how much more joy did she have in her sacrifice? You know, Jesus lived a life full of sacrifice and surrender, and yet his joy was complete. Mary was very, very young. She didn't have a strong desire for children like, like Hannah did. I mean, she was like just figuring out life at this point. And yet, she had the same joy. She had a fullness, a deepness, because she also sacrificed. She said yes to God. Now you're like, what's the sacrifice in that? For those of you who don't know, for Mary to be found pregnant without being married was a huge scandal. And no one, very few people believed that it was actually through the whole, that it was God's child, right? And so she had endured that scandal and much more pain throughout her life. And yet her joy was full because she said yes to God. Elizabeth was just gleaming with joy. She was well past the age to have children. And here comes this little young girl who's, who got pregnant just like that. There was no jealousy. There, 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 there was nothing like that, but just joy. It's something that, that, that's beyond us. And so we have to let Jesus introduce his joy to us instead of us trying to figure out how to get it. (laughs) It's like trying to take an open book test when your book is closed. (laughs) Like Jesus is going to introduce it to us. We just have to let him. Jesus said he delights in doing God's will. Like, he finds joy in doing the will of God. Joy doesn't come from accomplishments. I mean, those those, those are happy times, right? Like, that's a good time when I've accomplished something. I love getting stuff done. It makes me feel good, right? But it doesn't come from that. Satisfaction isn't attained by having enough. 
Like I'm st- somewhat starting to get what Paul says when he says, I have lived with little, I have lived with much. <laughs> I, I have been in, in jail and I have been free. And I have learned the secrets <laughs> to this whole thing, which is joy in every situation. I've had very little myself. And I've been also secure. And yet that hasn't affected my joy the way, the way I thought it would. Like, no, there has to be something else. Because I know for some of you, you're like, yeah, it, it sure would be good if I had a little bit more, though. <laughs> right? Like, I know what that's like. Man. I want to go out just like one more time this week. <laughs> but joy that he has is, is much deeper and comes even in the depths. And so it requires sacrifice, which is like, it doesn't make sense, right? Because you're like, but these things are going to give me the joy I want. Why would I give them up? Right? I know over the years, over and over again, God has asked me to give up things that I did not want to give up because they just, they gave me something. They weren't bad things. They were good things, but, but they also provided something for me. And I didn't want to let it go. Because I didn't think, I didn't believe that anything else could replace that. I mean, I've talked a lot of times through stories and, and analogies about, you know, my time you know, as an athlete, I don't know if I've shared the time that God asked me to give it up. Like, that, that was hard. I'm like, in college, I'm like, at the moment that everyone like me is like, that's what you go for, is to be able to actually play at a D1 school, and like, like that's making it. And all my friends were, and God wanted me to give this up. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> you see, because it was, it was so important to me. It was very tied into my identity. And it was also how I survived so much of my life. It was like it was my outlet. It was, it was, it was it's what I held on to. And so I'm like, like it was everything for me. And God wanted me to give it up. And I'm like, but nothing will give me, give me the same feeling. Nothing will give me the same love of something. And that's what, it, that's what it felt. And so he, he asked me to give it up. And after some back and forth, which I never win those arguments, by the way. I don't win many arguments anymore anyway. And and so I gave it up, at least partially. I didn't like. I was like, okay, I'll give up a little bit, just just a little bit. And um, and it was hard. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. And it's like it's not like oh, sacrifice and like then immediate joy, right? Like no, it, it was hard. I went through a dark period on Saturdays when I'm watching my friends on TV playing football, right? 
Like, that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy knowing what could have been and, and like, who I could have been. And so it took a little bit longer to, like, fully let that go. But it was after that that I experienced more joy than I've ever could have known in ways and places that weren't even close to being on my radar, that I couldn't even, like, imagine. So that's the thing, like, God's not going to, like, he's not going to show it to you, like, beforehand. It's one of those things where you, you got to give it up first, and then, and, then, and then you get the goods, all right? I mean, that's, that's the whole faith part of this. You know, in the upside-down kingdom, joy is gained through surrender and sacrifice. And it's always worth it. The reason why you hear us say the upside kingdom a lot, because as we talk about the kingdom of God, Jesus has turned things upside down. Because in the kingdoms of this world, happiness and joy is gained by taking and by having and by keeping and by hoarding and by protecting. But in the kingdom of God, joy comes through sacrifice, through giving up everything, through laying it all down, from saying, here I am, Lord, whatever you want, you can have. So what's God inviting you into today? Is he inviting us to an experience of joy that we haven't known? Perhaps we need a prayer like Hannah did to go from sorrow to joy. Is he inviting you to believe in something that's maybe really hard to believe in, like Zechariah. You know, sometimes it's hard to believe in his goodness and his love and in his strength. Like we say we do on the surface, but sometimes that's hard to believe in because we haven't fully met this wonderful God. And so he's asking you, just believe in my goodness. Believe in my love for you. What cares of the world have drained the joy out of you that God wants to pour back in? Like, think about that. Like, have I been drained by, by, by the anxieties of life and I'm missing this fullness of joy that God has for me? Is there something you've been needing to sacrifice or give up but it just feels like it's too much, that you just can't be without it. His invitation teaches us that the joy on the other side of it gives us far more than whatever it is we don't want to let go of. One of my favorite quotes from the Confessions of St. Augustine. St. Augustine says, and this is the happy life to rejoice in you and for you and because of you. There's, there's, there, there's this union with God as we, as we grow closer to God to where we can rejoice in him and for him and because of him. Does that resonate with anyone? All right, let's look at some practical tips. Think about one of your more 
your most joyful moments in the recent past. Let that memory and that joy flow back into you. Sing a song of praise to God in response. Afterwards, reflect on what feels like deferred dreams or promises. Remember the things you stopped believing for and ask God to show you what he's done and what he's doing and how he's bringing fulfillment and joy to you. I realize this first one is like, like really, there's like three of them in this first one. <laughs> but that order is important. Number two. Let your joy lead to singing. Let your sorrow lead to singing. Now, you don't have to like do it in front of everyone. You know, you can like do this <laughs> in your room by yourself. But there's just something that happens when we sing out. But it's important to let our joy lead us to this singing, lead us to this authentic place like Mary was in, like Elizabeth was in, like Hannah was in, this authentic place of my soul rejoices in you. Like sing it when you actually feel it. Something happens in that moment. But like I also say, let your sorrow lead to singing. The psalmist says this, the psalmist says to sing because though weeping lasts through the night, we all know this one, joy comes in the morning, which means in our sorrow, and I know there is sorrow today, that in our sorrow, as we sing out to God, his joy will come. And so I want us to make this genuine, not just like a liturgical thing we do. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to like put on a song and like, and like sing it. But I, I want it to come from the depths of our soul. Lynn was talking about when she got it this morning, I was like jamming out this morning. <laughs> and I was because I just, I, I just wanted to worship God. And so I put on the Vineyard Soul record because, you know, soul is important. And just worshiped. But it, it came from the depths and not out of a, oh, I'm going to sing right now. All right, number three. Is there anything you're holding on to that you know you need to give up, but you're afraid that you won't have the joy that it produces? Do you have anything like that in your life? That fear can, 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 be, can be strong, right? That thing has been with us for better or for worse for a long time. But take the next steps and surrender and you will experience far more joy than it can provide. And don't do this alone. Have your small group, trusted friends help you in this. Because like 
None of this can happen on our own. Especially those things that we hold so dear. But it's one of those things where we're just like, we have to, we have to let go so that we can receive, right? Like you have to breathe out before you can breathe in. Like we, we know that whole illustration, right? I can't breathe in if I haven't released the air that I already have. Jesus said, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain the kingdom. So I want to encourage that in us today. All right, let's stand. As we prepare for communion, <clears throat> uh, there's a couple things I want us to, um, to, start to start to get into. And so first, we have two stations on each projector and, and one in the back. And they're all uh, gluten-free for those who have an allergy. But, you know, at the top, we saw the joy and faith from these two women as they experienced the Holy Spirit and they experienced Jesus. Like one of the key things there is that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and then she cried out. That's like an important thing that happened. And in communion, we get to experience the very presence of God, just like Elizabeth did here with us. We get to experience it in all kinds of ways. But communion is, is a special place to experience that. To give us that same joy, a joy that is full, a faith that is renewed, and a contentment that will allow us to go where he is calling us next. This is why communion is important. Because we can't do this on our own. We can't sacrifice on our own. You'd be out of your mind. It's like, I don't want to give that up. You can't do it on your own. None of us can. And so as we engage with God, the power of his Holy Spirit comes in us and gives us the power to do what he's calling us to do. To sacrifice, to surrender, to hope, to trust, to believe. And so that's why we take communion. Just like the Spirit filled Elizabeth and she responded, so we too needs to be filled up. So we're going to worship right now and over these next couple songs, just come, take the bread, dip it in the juice, and partake. And we practice over communion here at the vineyard. So we want to encourage everyone here to share communion with us because everyone is invited to Jesus' table. And if there's something stirring in you, and you're, you, you want that joy that just runs deeper. You want to say yes to Jesus? I want to invite you up to the table to partake with us.